1: Terms and conditions apply. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have
2: one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get the game. Welcome to Vicent's Hardwood Handicappers.
1: As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump. Am I right now? F***ing geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. All
2: right, second hour Harvard Hardwood Handicappers. got a lot left to get to. We're going to touch on the big picture stuff for the Dallas Mavericks. I'm going to get Aaron Renning's thoughts with uh, on Dallas coming up here in just a moment. Uh, ER is with us at the top of the hour. A quick correction. Um, I don't know why I had my notes. that Christian Wood was questionable today. It's Shout out to Rob Betts, who corrected it uh, up on Twitter. Yeah, he got ruled out for the rest of the season last week. So uh, I got Ron Burgundy by my own handwriting and, uh, and note taking, but that's fine. We all make mistakes. A man who doesn't make many mistakes, though, Aaron Renning, who joins us now. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at ER Sports One. Uh, Aaron, all right, we got seven days left. We are into the final week of the NBA regular season. How you feeling? You ready for the postseason to get started?
3: Uh, yeah, I always am at this time of year. Good to be with you, JVT, because, you know, it it's, it gets a little tedious and a little bit old. I mean, you know, essentially handicapping, you know, what teams are trying to try, which teams are tanking, um, you know, the effort, etc. So, you know, I always appreciate when the playoffs, come around and you can at least handicap the game, knowing that both teams are going to be giving a hundred percent.
2: Yes. I'm also, as you know, I'm very much data driven with my handicapping. So I love betting playoff series because I get a best of mm-hmm. seven. You know what I mean? You get a little bit of a margin for error for some of the teams that you think are better instead of a one night, uh, you know, Sunday night on the road for a team that's been playing, you know, six out of whatever days and doesn't really give a damn. So uh, very much looking forward to the postseason. So let's talk about something uh, that we saw transpire actually just a couple of hours ago. So LeBron James doesn't play for the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers end up falling, have a pretty poor fourth quarter to the Denver Nuggets uh, earlier today. So I'll just ask you this. Where are you at with Los Angeles in terms of making it even into the play-in? Because humans and I have talked about this quite a bit on the edge. I think we're kind of at the point where they don't really seem to care. LeBron takes the day off today. Seems he's pretty set on just playing the minimum to qualify for the scoring title. They kind of seem dead in the water, ER.
3: You know, losers of six in a row, it's been a long season for the Lake show. And I, I just kind of wonder if they don't want to embarrass themselves anymore, JPT. I, I mean, um, you know, again, yeah, losers of six in a row and, it, you know, 31 and 47. It really doesn't take that much uh, to finish in the top 10, but I guess it is uh, for the Lakers. And you have a, you know, you have a Spurs team from an organizational standpoint that doesn't seem that interested and make it the play in they sit Murray and and, uh, the big man here today uh, for this game against Portland. So uh, very strange, very odd. And, you know, we'll see uh, what happens, I guess, Tuesday against Phoenix. Not sure who they have after it, you know, Spurs have um, a tough enough schedule after, after today, uh, probably beating Portland, but you know, it's, you know, you wonder if they're just going to shut everybody down here the last couple of days, if it looks bleak.
2: Yeah. The, uh, the, the West play in, it has become pretty intriguing with the insertion of Paul George into the mix. Now that he's back for the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Clippers, So you get Minnesota, Los Angeles, and New Orleans all competing for those final two seeds. So let's it's it's a natural jumping off point. Clippers and Pelicans are going to play later today. Uh, did you have anything here on the late night game? Clippers two and a half uh, open, but now it's two with a total of two twenty three and a half.
3: You know, I did not JVT it's, it's, you know, it's been a little tricky handicapping the Clippers really the last two weeks because they have been pretty much locked and loaded in that ace spot. Obviously they don't want to fall down to nine, but they weren't going to gain to seven and here they are. And you know, again, if, if you look into it, I mean, this is somewhat of a key game. I mean, New Orleans obviously doesn't want to fall back to 10. um, So it's an important game for them. If they have any hopes, of getting to the eight, obviously they have to win and beat the Clippers here uh, tonight. I, you know, uh, of course, you want to. You'd rather go to the eight spot uh, than be in that nine hole. It's a pretty big difference um, for the play-in. Uh, of course, for that, so I could say, you know, you could say it's kind of a meaningful game here for both teams. I can't say if it's important for one way or the other. Um, I, I think the last time the Clippers played. Uh, The Pelicans, they were roughed up and and, um, humiliated. So I would expect you're going to get both teams uh, a game. And if that's the case, uh, you know, i made the line right about where it is. But you're right. You know, I I think this Clippers team, you know, you saw them come from way behind the other night with Paul George uh, against that Utah team. So certainly uh, become somewhat of a dangerous team and a team that, you know, the upper seeds here in the West probably don't want to play.
2: So I've got tickets on both the Timberwolves and the Pelicans to make the playoffs. Uh, I got the Pelicans uh, about a week and a half ago, plus at plus 440. What, what have you made of New Orleans in this new starting lineup? Because now we're starting to get a larger sample size, Aaron, and like, they're not, their numbers aren't really regressing in any way whatsoever. They're an incredible offensive rebounding team. Efficiency overall is insanely good. Uh, I, like, I really like what they have done and what Willie Green has done with this new look and inserting C.J. McCollum as their point guard. Have you upgraded New Orleans at all with this new look? What have you done with them?
3: I mean, I've had them all rated through the roof. I I bet them, you know, probably 75% of their games, mainly the last month because you could kind of see it coming. And, you know, when Ingram was out of the lineup, they didn't really miss him. But, you know, I I thought it was more, you know, inserting some of the young energy that they did into the lineup, obviously going a little bit bigger uh, as well. But, you know, these guys are a a lot of plus defenders on this team now, Um, guys that get out and, and run and create havoc. Uh, if you will, and get some easy buckets, kind of like a little bit like the Raptors style, I guess, um, in, in some ways that they play. So they've been fun to watch. They've been very good. And, you know, obviously beating the Lakers uh, a couple of times show that they're at least uh, the real You know, it, it is unfortunate because, you know, you'd love to see Zion play with this
2: team. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, what they would look like with Zion would be really intriguing. And uh, what they would have to do with the starting lineup be intriguing as well. Uh, the team that is in control <laughs> of seventh, and they got an outside shot of catching Utah. We'll ask you about Utah in a second, but that would be Minnesota. Uh, not much to touch on here. I mean, I think the number's are a little inflated against the Houston Rockets tonight. But what have you made of this uh, recent little slump? Because I- I've kind of hit on with Minnesota. You know, they're kind of hot and cold when it comes to their defense, and it's the style of defense they play, right? You know, blitz and ball screens, jumping passing lanes, trying to force turnovers. It leads to some pretty good defensive performances, but it leads to some poor stretches, and they're in the middle of that now. Are you worried about them at all in terms of making the postseason, especially now that Paul George is there with the Clippers?
3: Yeah, I, I actually looked to play Minnesota tonight, but you're right. I thought that line was just a little bit too, <laughs> you know, a bit too much, um, a, a little bit inflated. Again, the markets done a really good job against these tanking teams and teams that are kind of need to win, if you will. And no, I wasn't really worried with this Minnesota team. I mean, uh, you know, getting beat earlier this week by Boston and Toronto. Those are two teams that I bet on a lot. Two teams that I like quite a bit. Two top uh, kind of defensive teams. So I bet them the other night. Uh, against Denver obviously they kind of needed uh, the Lakers to win tonight but just two games in back of Utah so still um, somewhat of a prayer uh, to perhaps get into that six spot you know I'm always a little bit worried because this Minnesota team hasn't had uh, really any kind of playoff experience uh, for the most part and, and you're right they're just lack of defense I, I guess what was um, maybe most troubling when they played Phoenix I thought there was a good they're in a good spot that game and um, you know, they basically talked how Phoenix uh, essentially just picked their defense apart uh, to close the game. They didn't really change stuff, and that's not how they play. So that you know, there's definitely some concerns. Um, you know, even in the play-in tournament and getting into uh, uh, and getting into the playoffs, perhaps. So um, you know, like them a lot in the regular season. Probably some concerns heading into the postseason for that team. Yep.
2: All right. So as we look around the Western Conference, story of the conference right now, just after last night. Utah Jazz blow another 20 point lead yesterday was 21 points to the Golden State Warriors and they now AR have 3 games this year in which they have blown 20 plus point leads Second of the week, by the way, because they did it. They were up 25 against the Los Angeles Clippers. So I, I, I kind of think this team's done. Like, I, I don't like the way they play defense. Yeah. Gobert's the only guy that can you, you can rely on defensively. I talked about it in the first hour. The casual thought of, oh, it's Gobert's fault is completely false. Uh, they have a bunch of guys who cannot defend on the ball in any way whatsoever. And now there's the sniping and the infighting. It just seems that they are destined for an early exit here. And at this point, they're matching up with Golden State potentially in a 3-6. Uh, we'll see if maybe they get surpassed. Golden State does by Dallas, but regardless, I, I just don't see that this team has any upward mobility in the Western Conference. Am I overreacting?
3: Yeah, I mean not really. I mean it's it's you know you've seen the you know the, the combustion on this team really the last two or three years where they just go through these spurts where they just not play well. They don't live up to their potential, and it just seems you know right now they're at that breaking point, point. and to think they're going to turn it around and get into the postseason, you know, and I especially think they're going to miss a guy like Ingles uh, into the postseason, Um, and, you know, whatever is going on from a chemistry standpoint, obviously teams try to go small and take Rudy Gobert um, out of the lineup. It's interesting because
0: Golden State, there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
1: Terms and conditions apply.
3: They do match up with the Warriors. Uh, the, you know the Warriors have really struggled with with some size. Um, so you know I, I thought in, in some of the matchups that they have played, some some of the bigger lineups and stuff. Uh, maybe that helps. Obviously with Draymond back, and you know they do have Moody. But just in watching them, uh, they've kind of struggled with that a little bit. So you know you leave the door open a little bit, but uh, it seems to be closing in a hurry. And you would expect. You know, heading into this offseason that uh, some deals are made. You know, you hear the rumors of Rudy Gobert uh, is a potential trade guy. Uh, Mitchell moving on when his contract's up, etc. Uh,
2: by the way, uh, so two things. One, because you're right, I think the Warriors would struggle with his size. The problem is he only took nine shot attempts in that game against Golden State. There were multiple possessions, when he had a guard on him. And teams are doing that because they just won't give Gobert the ball. It's weird. And the other is ER. he yeah. are Dallas. Toronto and Charlotte have been the three teams that have been sniffing around Utah how good would those three teams be if they got gobert
3: you know you you'd, you'd be really good I, I just I, I'm always a little bit concerned in today's NBA how far you can go when you have a big that you know can't shoot from the outside it yeah. just um to win three three playoff series etc it just seems a little bit difficult uh to do although Phoenix with uh, eight and although Aiden has a decent uh outside game but um, you know, it's, it's a little bit concerning, but yeah, you would think with the right coach, the right surroundings, certainly take a guy like Gobert, but you're right. I, I've never quite understood it because, you know, even last year in the playoffs, I, I thought the Clippers were certainly vulnerable uh, defending the rim and, you know, Utah just never went to it. it it's, it's, it's certainly a little bit odd.
2: Yes, it is. Aaron Renning, you can follow him on Twitter at ER Sports 1. ER, appreciate it. Hey, we get a day off tomorrow. No NBA. You make way for the national championship game, so enjoy it. All right, thank you. Thanks, we'll talk Mary. to you later. You got it. Professional Handicapper Aaron Renning. We'll come back with more of the Hardwood Handicap. Welcome to v Hardwood
1: Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel.
2: Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness and that human. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. I was surprised to learn the other day, um, I'm, a big, I'm, a, uh, I'm a big iced coffee guy. I'm really surprised to learn that, like, iced coffee – One is like a big Northeast thing because I figured it wouldn't be because it's like always cold up there. Uh, The other is that not actually that many people drink ice coffee. I thought it was much more popular. Now, as a former barista, maybe I'm in too deep, uh, but it was a little bit of of an odd revelation for me. Uh, With that aside, very important information, Uh, a quick update on the scoreboard to give you because we have quite a few games now underway in the association. Halftime for two games. Knickerbockers up 10, 57-47 over the Orlando Magic. They are at the break. And the Cleveland Cavaliers up 55-49 over the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the early leaders in some of these games, Karis Levert, 17 minutes, 11 points, 5 of 8 from the floor for the Cleveland Cavs. And shocker, Joel Embiid has 17 points in the first half, 8 rebounds, and is 8 of 8 from the free throw line. So, But again, this is this is my problem with Philadelphia as I kind of focus on this game really quickly. And Matt Humans and I have discussed this on The Edge multiple times. I am very much in the thought process that The 76ers are a team, if James Harden's going to stick around, uh, that is, I think, or should be, planning for next season. Their depth is not good. The center position behind Joel Embiid is an absolute nightmare. The on-off numbers dictate that. But my worry for a team like Philadelphia, as big of a Harden fan as I am, Harden has not been good this year. And whether it's him taking care of his body, whether I don't know what it is. But again today... He's got 10 points in the first half because he's 7 of 8 from the free throw line, but he's 1 of 9 from the floor and 1 of, nine, uh, one of 5 from three-point range. Just not going to get it done. Tyrese Maxey's awesome, and he, I think, is their third-best player, but Maxey's having an off night, and when James Harden is having an off night, nobody else can have one because this team's going to be extremely inefficient. And sure enough, 30% from the floor for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, but another poor night for James Harden as the 76ers find themselves in a 55-49 hole. Other games underway. Minnesota has opened up a brief 640 uh, with 645 left to go in the first. A 15-12 lead over the Houston Rockets. And uh, Phoenix up 9-5 to early over the Oklahoma City Thunder. 733 left to go in the first. And Portland up by 10. Ooh, shocker. It'd be pretty big. As ER mentioned, Spurs don't really seem to care, but I also think they probably thought they could get away with one here. Resting guys, 12-2 to with 840 left to go in the first. And we are in the waning seconds of this matchup between Detroit and Indiana. Pacers closed as about a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which was a little odd just given the fact that two-and-a-half would tell you that they're a better team power rating-wise than the Detroit Pistons, and I get it. No kid Cunningham today here for the Detroit Pistons, but regardless, Pistons on their way to a victory, 121-116 to 116 with 14.4 left to go. I believe this would be 19 of 21 covered for the Detroit Pistons if they can pull this off here against the Indiana Pacers. I You heard it here first. On April 3rd at 4.18 p.m. 2022, the Detroit Pistons are going to go over their win total next year. I don't care what it is. If it's 71 and a half, no. Uh, But they're going to be a really good team next year. And they are going to be, at the very least, a play-in team next season, the Detroit Pistons. So, with that, uh, there's a couple of things we've been pushing off because we've we've had a lot to get through here today. Uh, Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks really quickly because uh, the Mavericks... I think have become out of all of the teams in the Western Conference that aren't named the Phoenix Suns, one of the most intriguing teams in the conference as a whole. First off, just the way they've been playing since the beginning of the year. For those who've kind of lost track, yeah, everything, everything is all one big jumble, right? It's hard to pay attention to everything as it goes along. But since December 31st, 32 and 12 straight up. and against the spread, the Dallas Mavericks. A net rating of plus 5.2 in non-garbage time minutes. That is the sixth best in the NBA over that stretch. And over that stretch as well, their offense, 10th in the NBA. 115.6 points per 100 possessions. Allowed, or can be scored in non-garbage time minutes. But the big difference for this team this year as compared to last year and why they've been so good, their defense has been great. Over this stretch since December 31st, sixth in defensive efficiency in non-garbage time minutes, just giving up 110.4 points per 100 possessions, and the thing that that has intrigued me the most about Dallas, because outside of the fact that they have a six-foot-seven point guard named Luka Doncic, who's been absolutely nuts since the beginning of this calendar year, it's the fact that they have added to the trade deadline and they have maximized the pieces, but what I really like about that is the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie, and it's not so much Dinwiddie himself the player. It is Spencer Dinwiddie in terms of the position that he plays and the level that he plays it, because now... The Dallas Mavericks can roll out a three-guard lineup that really can bother some teams. Coming into today before the win over the Milwaukee Bucks with Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie on the floor together, they only had a plus 2.8 net rating, and we'll get to the defensive inefficiencies of this lineup, but the offensive rating with those three on the floor, offensive rating of 117. And, and when you have, I, I hearken back, you know, I talked to Mitch Moss on the uh, actual podcast for Hardwood Handicappers a couple of days ago, and I invoked the memory of, Of the, I think it was a 2018 2019 Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, If you remember, it was a 2019 2020. The the Oklahoma City Thunder team that had Chris Paul on it. Because if you remember, that group, when they made it to the playoffs, they were so good because they had their own three guard lineup. It was Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea Gilders Alexander. When those three were on the floor together, they were incredible. With those three out there, they had a plus 31.4 net rating. It was a big reason why they made it to the postseason because that lineup was so efficient. And while this you know three guard trio uh, has not so much been that wildly efficient, but what it does is it gives you three ball handlers, three guys who can make decisions and high level passes, and that changes everything. When a guy like Luka Doncic can create suction in terms of the defense collapsing on him with dribble penetration and kick it out to a guy in Spencer Dinwiddie that can create his own issues off of dribble penetration. And the ball just moves and moves and moves between three guys who can find the right position, whether it's themselves, whether it's a teammate, it creates problems for opposing teams. And we have seen that. And we saw it a couple of times here today against the Milwaukee Bucks. And ultimately, though, at the end of the day, outside of having a three-guard lineup that I really like, there are some personnel decisions around them that they have to make. For example, Powell, right? I mentioned the defensive numbers aren't that great with those three out there on the floor. Powell has not been the better option for them at center. A negative 22.2 net rating with those three on the floor and Powell playing center. 130.2 defensive efficiency rating, not very good. But when Max Kleber has been out there, it's been much better. A plus 35.5 net rating and a defensive rating of 90.5. So I like this Dallas team. I bet him at 14-1 to to win the Western Conference. It's going to be the last futures bet I have made up to this point. And I really want them to grab the third seed. And a win today goes a long way toward that. But I I like their chances in a first-round series against Denver. Denver today gets a win, sure. But it's tooth and nail back and forth with the Los Angeles Lakers because defensively they have their own issues and their bench is absolutely atrocious. And in a second-round matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies, I do think they match up relatively well with Memphis, especially having the best player on the floor in Luka Doncic. So there you find your path to Western Conference Finals and sitting on them at 14-1 to win the conference. It's definitely something worth looking at here for the Dallas Mavericks. It's something that I have bet, and um, just put that out there. I like Dallas. I like the way they're playing. And today, too, I mean, I'm just a fan of basketball in general, right? Obviously, because you cover it, you probably become a fan of it. Today for Luka Doncic, 32 points. He was 9-22 from the floor, but he had 32, 15, uh, 8 rebounds and 15 assists. He also had three steals. And, yes, he turned the ball over six times. And, yes, there were a couple of times – when he kind of got beat up on dribble penetration, was a little lazy defensively. But watching that dude offensively, man, he is uh he is quite the sight to hold and he is playing some of his best basketball. And he's in shape. That's the most important thing for the Mavericks. And their opponent today, too, by the way. The Milwaukee Bucks, yes, it's a loss. And now they've lost two straight. But you look at you know, the last out, and they were resting everybody, it didn't really matter in the loss to the Clippers. The Clippers had fun. Robert Covington had a career day. And um, sorry, I'm laughing because we're watching the Knicks game, and uh, Mitchell Robinson. It, him and Alec Burks were like two feet away from each other and Burks tried to pass it to him and he just nailed Mitchell Robinson in the face and he went down for a second. It was funny. Um, but the Bucks, this is something and we can kind of expand on this as we go along here with this show, but as the Eastern Conference has kind of taken shape here as we head into the final week of the regular season, I've kind of been at this point where with the, with the Eastern Conference, at one point it looked like anybody could win it. It looked like it was the deepest the conference had ever been. And then we've kind of come to this point right now where you look around Milwaukee and you realize, well, Brooklyn's in the 10th seed and is in, on extremely shaky ground in terms of even making the postseason as opposed to winning an Eastern Conference title. The Miami Heat, while well, they have won three consecutive games and uh, they are uh, down early to the Toronto Raptors, Miami Heat, half-court-wise in terms of their offense, have been absolutely atrocious. And they have a lot of their own issues to work out on the offensive end of the floor. Not so much defensively, but offensively. We talked about the Philadelphia 76ers just a couple of minutes ago and how they look more like a team who should add in the offseason to be ready for there. I mean, as you look around the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, who looked like they could challenge the Milwaukee Bucks or anybody in that conference, lost Robert Williams until the second round. It does seem to be shaking out that more and more, as you look at the East, it's setting up for the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat as Eastern Conference champs once again. It's setting up even more so for a rematch of the NBA Finals from a season ago. It would be the first time in three seasons seasons that we have seen uh, a rematch in a really long time. But regardless, as the Eastern Conference kind of shakes itself out, what Milwaukee has been able to do over the last week and what Giannis has been able to do, it seems to at least have pushed the Eastern Conference very much in the favor of Milwaukee. And speaking of the last week for Giannis, let's talk about more of that on the other side because I, I wish we could bet on like order of MVP voting or runner-up as we did one year that was available over at Bet. because I got to tell you, as the Philadelphia 76ers continue to flounder despite the fact that Joel Embiid is playing very well, I think Giannis has surpassed Joel Embiid and is now second in the MVP pecking order. And I think there's a pretty good chance we might get an upset here, but we'll talk about more of that on the other side. Welcome to Beeson's Hardwood
1: Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel.
2: If you want more Masters Insight, hell, it's a big week, man. We got lots of stuff going on this week. Opening day and the first round of the Masters on the same day. So you want to get all the information you possibly can. We're gonna have breakdowns of every golfer in the field plus futures bets matchups from the long shots crew, Brady Cannon, West Reynolds, Matt Humans. Sign up today, man. Get full access to BCN through the start of the baseball season, Masters, and the NFL draft. Last week of the regular season in the NBA at BCN.com slash spring. Also a big day. Man, the energy is palpable now. Both parts of the run line crew ben wilson josh towers are in the building yes we have a new show debuting here on vSIN, the sports betting network coming up next 30 minutes from now the run line your baseball destination all throughout the regular season how about that and i am told quote today a mega preview show two hours straight previewing every division and every team in major league baseball that's coming up next here on vSIN, the sports betting network i will be listening I cannot wait to find out whether or not Josh Towers thinks my angels will be exactly what I think they are, which is a team that will be disappointing. They disappoint every year. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about NBA awards because what has transpired, I think, over the last week has become really, really fascinating. So Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, has himself quite the week consecutive games against Eastern Conference powers in which he completely shows out scores over 40 points against the Philadelphia 76ers. He has a game winning block that seals the deal for the Milwaukee Bucks. They win that game against Philadelphia. They come back against the Brooklyn Nets. Not only does he score 40 in that one as well, hits a step back three at the end of regulation to tie that thing up. It's two clutch free throws at the end of that game as well to win that for them on the road in overtime. Now, Giannis has always been around. It has always been a three-horse race with two, it seemingly, leading the pack the entire way, which has been Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. You see that Nikola Jokic is now the odds-on favorite because of the straw poll that Tim Bontemps of ESPN came out with that had him in the lead with first-place votes that had him surpassing Joel Embiid. We'll call it by a healthy margin. Not not into the sense of that you think it's a lock, but that he deserves to be the odds-on favorite over Joel Embiid. There's a couple of things you got to remember about that straw poll, though. One, those are not the voters that will vote for MVP, right? Those are voters who could have a vote. Those are people that Tim Bontemps just thinks follows the league, whatever it is. It's the same format as the MVP ballot, but it is not people necessarily that have a vote. Case in point, I know at least one, Well, it's 100 voters, uh, Tim McMahon got a vote in the straw poll for Tim Bontemps' piece, but will not have a vote for the MVP, in the NBA, so that matters because it's only one vote, but it gives you an idea that not everybody voting in that straw poll is going to be voting for the final award. Two is we got insight today because that straw poll, those were all calculated before the run that Giannis went on this past week. Uh, earlier today on NBA Countdown on ESPN, it pays attention to pay attention. Or no, excuse me. It uh, it benefits you to pay attention. Uh, sorry, I'm ready to get out of here. Uh, no, it, it benefits you to pay attention because we had uh, Michael Wilbon, Mike Greenberg, Jalen Rose, and Stephen A. Smith on the panel today on the NBA Countdown. And while people are like, uh, you know, you get it all the time, like, who watches that? Well, it matters because those four, as they told us today, all have votes for MVP. And lo and behold, three of them had Giannis Antetokounmpo as their MVP on Sunday, seven days before the end of the regular season and before those ballots are due. So this matters. It does seem, and I will say this, that Giannis has, at the very least, potentially surpassed Joel Embiid. Or second in the pecking order of MVP candidates, Giannis before his little run this week was in the range of ten to one to win this award. So now it's getting a little dicey. But today, and like these games, every single one of these games, whether it's for seeding, whether it's for something else, all these games you hang on the balance because some they all mean so much. And then for the race for MVP today, for example, Nikola Jokic. After seeing what Giannis Antetokounmpo does this week for his team, today against the Los Angeles Lakers, comes out, has 38 points, 18 rebounds, 6 assists on 15-22 to 22 shooting to lead his team to a victory. So these these games are going to matter. But I think this – I bring this all up because while you could have gotten 10-1 to 1 at the beginning of the week, and it's hard to kind of see where voters are going because they're human, and honestly, some of them are kind of stupid. For example, the straw poll by bond temps, five uh, four, three people – had Nikola Jokic in fifth place on their ballot. That's absolutely asinine, and it is stupid. And it was revealed that those three people thought that Jokic deserved to be fifth because of his team's record. But that matters, too, because there's people like that who have a ballot this year. So I do think the gap has closed here for the MVP, but it's not Joel Embiid. I think it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's ultimately going to find himself as a runner-up, but he's got a much better chance then I think some of these odds are letting us know. So, and how this ends down, down these last you know, few games, however many of these teams have left, four or five, whatever it is, and the 76ers have closed the gap. They're only down by two right now. But as you move toward the end of the year and what Giannis did over these last two, it matters. And it matters because the margin seemed pretty tight already and it does seem like maybe, just maybe, Giannis could pull the upset here potentially. Nikola Jokic is still the favorite, deserves to be so, but I do think he's at least leaped one uh, Joel Embiid for second in the pecking order, the most valuable player at the very least. And and there's the other awards too, by the way, that have become really fascinating as the end of the year approaches. Rookie of the Year, for example, has become a really good talking point because this is a, it's a three-horse race, we'll call it. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and of course Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors who are playing, who's playing right now. Cade Cunningham didn't play for the Pistons today, and Evan Mobley has been out, of course, because of an injury that he suffered. He's going to miss three games due to that. But when it comes to this, this is also one that's worth discussing because I got into this conversation the other day, which was Cade Cunningham being the hot name to win this award. The problem with a guy like Cade Cunningham is you have to remember, I own, it is rookie of the year. Same thing with most valuable player. MVP is a season-long award. Defensive player of the year. And so we get into these conversations all the time because we remember what we saw last, most recently – the best, the, one of the best examples that I always bring up is Luka Doncic, Trey Young, rookie of the year, the, the year they were playing. The last two months, Trey Young was incredible. And there was this stupid conversation about Trey Young potentially winning that award. Look out, he could win it. He's a value play. He's going to win. And the one consistent, I was, it's rookie of the year. He was awful the first four months of the season. Don't get wrapped up into it. And sure enough, what happened, Luka Doncic got 99 out of 100 first place votes. And this is the trap that you don't want to fall into here. I know that Cade Cunningham has been absolutely incredible over the last month. The problem is Cade Cunningham also has about 40 games in which he averaged, about, no, I think it was 31, in which he averaged about um, 15 points on 38% shooting from the floor. That's going to matter in a rookie of the year argument. So now we get down to whether it's Scottie Barnes or whether it's Evan Mobley, and I will consistently say that, well, I've got an Evan Mobley ticket, a plus 300 to win this thing. Mobley and Barnes, the gap there is much tighter. Should not be minus 330. Should be much closer, probably even under $2. Should be the odds on favorite? Yes. Should you be laying a small price on Mobley? Yes. But not $3.30. And there's still some value there on a guy like Scotty Barnes to win this thing. And that's what this next week really matters for both of these guys. And again, today, you know, Scotty Barnes is in the starting lineup. He's played five minutes so far against the Miami Heat, and his team's up 32-21. But in, in a race like this, where the margins are insanely tight, these kind of things are going to matter here, and these next couple of days are going to go a long way of deciding who's going to win both most valuable player and rookie of the year. Now, this last award has been a talking point all year long to the point where Matt Humans apparently, I guess I bring it up on the edge all the time. I would argue that I don't. I don't know. Ben Wilson, you watch the show every day. I know you do. You tell me whether or not I bring it up all the time. Uh, but Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, I hate to say it, but reading the tea leaves, my guy, Jaron Jackson Jr., who is now in the range of like 18-1 to 1 to win this award, who I have at 300-1 to, to win the award, I'm going to go out and say he's probably not going to win this thing. If you kind of just lick your finger and test the wind, doesn't seem like, despite the fact that he leads the league in blocks, and I can go on and on about the statistical profile defensively for Jaron Jackson Jr., doesn't seem like he's in the running to actually win this thing. So it comes down to a couple of factors here. And we can get into like Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, for example, Tim Bontemps at ESPN again. Uh, wrote a piece about Defensive Player of the Year. Smart has been really pushing for him to win the award, for himself to win the award. He's come out with the, you know, pushing against the narrative, because for those who don't know, I think it's I have the look of the exact number, uh, but only one perimeter player has won Defensive Player of the Year uh, in a really long time. It's just very much forward and center dominated for Defensive Player of the Year. But Marcus Smart is the favorite now, arguably the best defensive player on the best defensive team of the Boston Celtics. But I will say this. Tying this back to what we opened this segment with, which is uh, most valuable player and Giannis Antetokounmpo. There are times when voters want to give a consolation prize of sorts. And a guy like Giannis, as opposed to winning most valuable player, could wind up with defensive player of the year after having a game-winning block in a pretty high-profile matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers just last week. So I would keep an eye on a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo. I bet him a 14-1 to to win defensive player of the year as well. And I think that he would be pretty live to win this. But a guy like Bam Adebayo, who has missed 25 games this season, Mikael Bridges is going to be very live for this thing. Don't think Rudy Gobert with the struggling Jazz is going to be very. He's uh, going to win this thing potentially. Although there are some stragglers who believe that he's almost the most valuable player uh, because of what he does for the Utah Jazz. But this one, out of all of them, you can see with the odds. I mean, who in the world knows how defensive player of the year is going to shake out? You can at least get an idea for both MVP and Rookie of the Year. But uh, how the depoy shakes out is going to be freaking awesome to watch over these last five games or so. All right, we'll come back. We'll get to our games of the week. We're also going to break down Pelicans and Clippers. Pretty big matchup. Clippers got like this, or should be the Pelicans got like this, much of a shot. I'm holding my fingers together really tightly. Uh, actually getting into that 7-8 matchup in the play-in. But they have to win tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers to make that happen. We'll discuss that more as we wrap it up here on Hardwood Handicap. hardwood handicappers
1: now here's your host jonathan von tobel
2: all right welcome back again the last couple of minutes here on the program remember coming up next new show addition to the lineup here on sunday's run line ben wilson josh towers make a preview two hours straight previewing every division team and major league baseball big news this week too i was just rambling to myself sean mania a new member, it looks like, are the San Diego Padres, huh? Look at that. Pod squad. Friars. Going to make something up here. Maybe with that rotation. I'm just going to rattle off the nicknames of the uh, San Diego Padres. No. You got all the insight. Much better insight than I can give you uh, on the run line with Josh and Ben coming up in 15 minutes here on v the Sports Betting Network. Uh, can I just say very quickly, because we're going to get into the Pelicans-Clippers game that is going to come up later today. Oh, also, actually, there's one more, too, that we should probably hit on, because there's another game later tonight uh, as well.
1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Or whatnot, can I tell you, that what gets a little tiresome is after almost every single Lakers loss, Frank Vogel trends on Twitter. And yet again, here we are, uh, trending with Frank Vogel on social media after the 129-118 loss for the Los Angeles Lakers. And my question is just, what do you want Vogel to do? Like, there's complaints about Austin Reeves not playing. Austin Reeves, who hasn't been playing well for, like, the last 10 games. like How can you keep Austin Reeves out of the lineup? Like, because Austin Reeves doesn't really make that much of a difference. And in the last couple of games that Austin Reeves has been playing, he hasn't really played that well again. He's a next to no presence offensive. Like And that's just one aspect of this. I'm not going to go on, like, an Austin Reeves tangent. The point is, it's just, Lakers are a flawed team. The roster is flawed. Ron James didn't play today. This team clearly is heading toward missing the play-in tournament. And then every night, it's like, ah, Vogel, fire him. As I love to see on social media, the adage is, it's like changing the tires on a totaled car. Congratulations. If you want to get rid of Vogel, that's great, but he's not making a difference in the way this team ended the season or the way that it's going. So I just thought it was interesting. Anyway, updates on some scores really quickly. The Philadelphia 76ers, very big third quarter for them. They have taken a – 77-72 lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers. we got about 147 left to go in that game against Cleveland. Philly got off to a pretty poor start. They ended up closing here as a a 5.5-point favorite on the road. So, again, right now up over Cleveland. The fourth quarter is approaching this one all but over unless the Magic can make up 32 points in the fourth quarter of play. They are down 94-62 to the New York Knicks at home. 9.50 left to go in the second. This is a big game, emotional reasons. Kyle Lowry finally makes his return to the Great White North. Raptors up 39-30 over the Miami Heat. For those who don't remember or don't know, the Toronto Raptors came into this 11-2 straight up, 10-3 against a spread in their last 13 games. Finally healthy, playing really good basketball and very quietly emerging as a a pain in the keister in the Eastern Conference pecking order because a 4-5 matchup against Philadelphia, I don't think Philly wants any part of a 4-5 series with the Toronto Raptors. It would be a very big problem for them. And we get the report too, by the way. We know it's not Joel Embiid or uh, James Harden but that there are members of the Philadelphia 76ers potentially that aren't vaccinated, thus would not be able to play on the road against the Toronto Raptors. So home court advantage, like a real one now uh, for the Toronto Raptors, Uh, one that could actually eliminate some players from contending, also goes with the Boston Celtics as well. Uh, Also on the score here, see, I got this live, Portland up 43-37 with 7.03 left to go. They are taking on the San Antonio Spurs. This matters for multiple reasons, and the Spurs did decide to sit some guys. DeJounte Murray is not playing today. Uh, Jakob Pertle, I believe, is sitting this game out as well. Um, but San Antonio, as we talked about, right, especially with the loss to the, uh, the Denver Nuggets, they can kind of put a stranglehold here on the 10th and final seed in the play-in for the Western Conference. But right now, down to a Portland Trailblazers team that is and 2-16 in their last 18 games with a negative 19.9 net rating. So we'll see if San Antonio uh, can actually pull this off. But it goes back to what we were talking about, Right. You know, injuries are a part of it, but you're not getting any discounts when you're laying some of these numbers and also some of these prices because you know that there's a lot of people out there with a San Antonio, Minnesota, and Phoenix money line parlay because all of those are exorbitant favorites here today in the NBA that are sitting back with the Spurs down by six points and no DeJounte Murray on the floor. So again, you're not getting any discounts with a lot of these numbers. Just always keep that in mind as we were heading down these last few days of the regular season. Speaking of one of those big favorites too, by the way, the Phoenix Suns. Again, rest day for the Suns. No DeAndre Aiden, no Devin Booker, no Jay Crowder. Only up by one with 527 left to go in the second quarter over the Oklahoma City Thunder. And those Minnesota Timberwolves that we were talking about, again, another big favorite, double digits. They're at least up double digits. They're up 57-47, 639 left to go in the second quarter against the Houston Rockets. And our guy, Jalen Green, that we talked about, who've been playing really good basketball over the last 21 games, 12 points, 5 of 8 from the floor. He's only got three assists and one rebound, but has been shooting the ball well and is a halfway toward surpassing his point total prop for the night, over half halfway. All right, with that, let's talk about the game of the evening. This is going to tip off here at 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. New Orleans Pelicans on the road against the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, again, this matters because the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, they are very, very, very tight window to get within that top two, seven and eight in the Western Conference play in. Why that matters is because, again, you get two bites at the apple. You lose that first matchup, that's fine because you get the winner of the second play in game. So it would matter if New Orleans can actually get to that seventh or eighth seed that the Pelicans, or excuse me, Clippers currently hold right now. Clippers are two point favorite with a total of 222.5. Big matchup here. And it does seem a very big advantage for the New Orleans Pelicans in that they are a very good rebounding team. I've mentioned this before in the passing with Aaron Renning, but with their new starting lineup out there with C.J. McCollum running point, with Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and the front front of Jackson Hayes and Jonas Valanciunas, this is a team that grabs 37 38% of its missed shot attempts, it is great in terms of putbacks and second-chance points. They are a fantastic offensive team because of the way that they can rebound. And from a defensive standpoint, too, they have done a fantastic job in their ability to, to actually get out and transition and keep teams from running. This is actually an elite transition defense this season. The New Orleans Pelicans coming into this matchup first and opponent points added per 100 possessions in transition um, and points per play given up through transition. The New Orleans Pelicans defensively second in that category. So the Clippers want to run, which it's not a team that runs very well. They run frequently, but in terms of efficiency, they're not great at it. The Clippers are going to have a pretty hard time here. And for me, it's it would actually be Pelicans or pass. As E.R. mentioned, uh, I think to use his quote, I know he's used this with me before, uh, but power rated either to the moon or extremely high, that's what this Pelicans team is since this turnaround and when fully healthy. And I would agree with that. And when you look at the way that they match up with the Los Angeles Clippers, a team that all season long has had trouble in terms of rebounding, keeping teams off of the glass, they have had trouble with this Pelicans team. They've lost every single matchup with the New Orleans Pelicans because of the way that this team rebounds. And all of those losses came before this new iteration of New Orleans, before the improved uh, starting lineup, before inserting Jackson Hayes as the power forward, before the trade for C.J. McCollum and putting him in as their starting point guard. So now this is a new and improved Pelicans team that has some motivation to play here against the Los Angeles Clippers. From an injury report standpoint, relatively clean on both ends. The only name worth noticing is Norm Powell, and the only reason I point that out because Powell's been out for forever, uh, Norm Powell has a, like a habit of tweeting out eye emojis and acting like he's coming back in like a day or two and then never coming back for the Los Angeles Clippers. But I would think that the Pelicans, this is right around where I made it. I think these two teams are equally power rated for the most part at a two-point spread. Remember, home court this year has been worth two points. Number's telling us that these two teams are pretty much identical. I would have a slight lean here toward the Pelicans, make them slightly better, but not by much. Just around a half point better, so no real edge. But I do think the Pelicans match up pretty well here with the Los Angeles Clippers. So That is going to be something to watch tonight because if the uh, Pelicans can win, all of a sudden, these last four games because they're going to have four left. The Clippers are going to have three left. It's going to be a highly motivated team to win out and just potentially surpass the Los Angeles Clippers for that seed in the play-in. For the other game, there's not much worth noting because there's a lot of injuries here. Uh, but to run through the number of guys who are not going to be for the Golden State uh, playing for the Golden State Warriors tonight um Otto porter jr is not going to play clay thompson's not going to play and we know the usuals andre godalik steph curry are not going to be out there as well james wiseman as we know ruled out for the rest of the season now sacramento has their long injury list of dudes not playing either the Aaron fox Rashawn holmes devonta simonis have been out for a while now alex len is questionable to play according to the official injury report and the updated number here right now san antonio me, sacramento catching four and a half or four at home with a total of 221 and a half you do wonder how golden state reacts Coming off of that big 21-point comeback over the Utah Jazz, I would say that I would be hesitant to lay a price on the road even against the Sacramento Kings. who have shown some fight here down the stretch uh, without a majority of their best players on the floor. And you're not getting a discount on this number, though. But the Golden State, uh, this is a uh, interesting spot coming off of that, uh, that win over the uh, Utah Jazz. And remember how poorly they've played, too, without Steph Curry out there on the floor. That 2-6 and six mark without Steph Curry on the floor over these last eight games since he has been out with that foot-slash-ankle injury. So, all right, these two games, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, but I think as we move forward here into the final week, you know, it's going to go over the games of the week. We don't really have that much time, uh, but these seeding races and what matters now over the next uh, the next seven days in the NBA, there is so much left up for grabs. The Eastern Conference and who wins the one seed? is the Miami Heat only have a one-and-a-half game lead and currently trail the Toronto Raptors in their game up in the Great White North? In the play-in, for the Eastern Conference. Is Brooklyn the 10th seeded team in the Eastern Conference as we move into the end of the regular season next Sunday? In the West, the Golden State Warriors, Dallas Mavericks, Denver Nuggets, and Utah Jazz all in this glut that could potentially move to as high as three. Dallas the team to watch there because they're only a half game behind the Golden State Warriors for the third seed in the Western Conference. And of course, the drama that is the Los Angeles Lakers we're currently trail one and a half games, the San Antonio Spurs, for that final spot at the table in terms of the in. Seven days left, folks. When I talk to you next Sunday, we're only going to have a couple of games left, and the end of the regular season will be upon us. Enjoy it this week, and enjoy our new show, The Run Line, coming up next.
1: Make your – Make your – Make your